0: Incredible worship experience. Uh, my name is Pastor Chad, and uh, let me just say uh, thank you to Dr. Merritt just for this opportunity for me to preach today. We're preaching on this uh, thing called a virus, and it's not coronavirus; it's a family virus. And so uh, we're calling the series "Testing Positive." And last week we talked about parenting, and we said that we, as parents, we are called to be a mirror to our children. We're called to be a model to our children and a mentor to our children. So today, we're gonna talk about marriage. I don't know about you, but I need some help in marriage. And you may say, well, I'm not married, or you may be a graduating senior. We are so thrilled that you graduated today, and we just wanna celebrate you. I feel like this message is gonna help you, especially on the college campus because let me tell you, you're going to make a lot of new relationships, and you're, you're going to want to do relationships God's way. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, but we live, honestly, in a crazy world. And we live in a world that, that tells us one thing, and then the Bible tells us totally differently. And so we will watch these movies, right, these Disney movies, and, and, and we, we have this idea that we can live happily ever after, but honestly... What happens is we we live happy in the first chapter and we're on like chapter 22. And so uh, there's this tension right between what movies say about love and marriage and relationships and what we actually experience. So check this video out. I love you, you. And I just had shut
1: up. Just shut up. You had me at
0: hello. You had me at hello. You had me at hello. I mean, it sounds so romantic, right? And they lived happily ever after. That's, that's the view that we have of relationships and marriage. But today, what we're gonna find out in God's word is totally different. In fact, our spouses and our relationships don't actually complete us. God does something totally different. He, he says something totally different. It's unthinkable. It's incomprehensible what God's about to teach us in God's word. And so today we're going to look at something that's so powerful, so important. What is the best view of marriage? What is the best view of marriage? Now I want to do something real quick. I I wonder if you're like me because during this season, I feel like marriage is so much harder in these days. Don't you? Uh, if you're on our chat room, on our website, or one of our Facebook feeds, I want you to tell us whether or not marriage is easier or harder. Just write the word easier or harder. And uh, I want to make sure that that everybody, it, we're on the same page here. We're going to learn together what God's Word says. Uh, I'm already seeing uh, It's harder. It's harder. Uh, yeah, this guy, just had a baby, that's why it's harder for this guy. Um, some people, okay, a couple easier. Uh, but but I feel like this is important because what God's word is going to tell us is the best view of marriage. That's the question that's leading us. What is the best view of marriage? Now, I want you to go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter five. It's so important. Ephesians chapter five, but first, I, I want us to lay the groundwork of this misconception we have related to relationships. This is so important, because I feel like we have to go all the way back to the moment, everybody remembers that moment, when they first fell in lust, I mean love, right? You know what I'm talking about. So we first fell in love. Let's go back to that moment. And remember the feelings that you have. Remember the butterflies, right? I mean, that, that little feeling in your stomach, it almost made you nauseous, but you kinda liked it. it it's euphoric. And so we have these relationships, and it's almost like we bring this capacity of our hearts into this relationship, and we're asking the other person to fill us up. We're, we're bringing a bucket to the relationship, and we're asking the other partner to fill us up. But what happens is something's wrong. And over time, when we ask the partner to to fill us up, we start leaking. There are issues. There are holes in the relationship. There are cracks in the relationship. And over time, this euphoric feeling, these butterflies, they start dissipating. They start fading. And then suddenly, we feel like we're empty. And the other person no longer fills our cup. Why is that? Could it be that we have the wrong view of relationships? Could it mean that, that God has something totally different planned in his word? And so this is important because it, it's this idea that we haven't experienced relationships the way God has intended us to experience relationships. So let's go Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians chapter five, there are three points here that will complete your relationship and give you the best view of marriage. So point number one, we must repair the brokenness. We must repair the brokenness. Look at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. I mean, the, the the profound imagery here is so rich. I invite all of you to go back and study this text. We don't have time to get into it, but what Jesus did here is he revealed the sin that we created. See, Jesus came to repair what sin has revealed. And sin has revealed brokenness. Sin has revealed guilt and despair, right? And so men, catch this, don't miss this. See, men, you can't repair a relationship if you don't reveal the brokenness. I, I wrote it this way. See, you can't repair your relationship until you reveal your heart. Now, This is true in every relationship, not just a relationship with your spouse or your children or your boss or your organization. This is true in every organization where you work. This is true of governments. This is true of great sports teams. And this is true spiritually. We can't have a right standing with God until we turn from our sin and we reveal our brokenness, reveal our heart. And so Jesus, he's he's doing something totally different. And what happens is that over time, that if we're in a relationship and we're not revealing the sin, revealing the brokenness, over time we start coasting. And when we coast, we suddenly fall off a cliff and we wonder, what just happened? I didn't plan for this. And it's because over time, resentment grows. And over time, we, we have financial conversations in our home and everybody gets upset because we don't want to face reality. We have the same circular arguments over and over. And we all experience this because, see, we're wired culturally to have this view. But God has given us so much bigger, so much better of a perspective of how marriage should work. I want you guys to check out this video. This is Jason and Ashley Ball, and they have a story that we can all relate to, and I think it's extremely powerful. So check this out.
2: My name is Jason Ball, and I'm married to my beautiful wife, Ashley Ball. And we don't have kids, We've got two dogs.
1: My name is Ashley Ball and I'm married to Jason Ball and we have been married um, a little over 15 years and we've been going to cross Point um, for several years.
2: So we, we went through a hard time. It was uh, probably summer of 2013. You know we'd been married nine years, been together 11 years and as a lot of marriages do, they, they tend to drift apart. I you know I met somebody in the gym and um, I, I let that go too far. Um, I, you know.
1: I had um, uh, felt that there was something um, going on. Didn't know what, but then when it um, did um, come to the surface, of course, it was devastating, and um, it was
2: shocking. It was something that I never thought would happen, um, and it hurts me to this day knowing that I hurt her uh, that much. And uh, we ended up separating for about two months,
1: I think it was a time in in my life personally that uh, drew me closer uh, to the Lord. You know, I feel like when you're at rock bottom is, you know, that's a lot of times when we, um, our heart is open um, to what God is doing in your life. You
2: know, we knew marriage was for God, right? God, you know, created marriage, He he didn't want to separate us, we knew that, um, so we, We put our efforts in, we went to counseling. We had friends praying over us, we had friends meeting with us, and through the prayer and through the counseling, um, our marriage was able to heal.
1: We took it slow. Um, We were still separated, but we started to date again. We started to, um, you know, learn about each other and work through, you know, some of the emotions. So it wasn't. you know, immediate. It was definitely through work and through counseling that we were able to come to that day where um, he moved back into the home.
2: You know, people think the grass is always greener on the other side, and then you gotta look at the grass is greener where you water it, right? And so I think a lot of times in marriages, couples stop watering their own grass, and they stop doing the things that brought them together in the first place, holding hands, sitting next to each other, watching TV.
1: I was so grateful you know, um, to our family members, to our our church members, you know, our friends who just had really just gotten down and dirty with us and just praying for us.
2: Some friends or some other, um, you know, uh, relationships that you may have, they may want to pull you apart and say, oh, you don't need to be with that person. You can do better than that person. We had everybody pushing us back together.
1: You know, it was almost like I had to forgive because, you know, when you look back and again going back to the deeper relationship with the the Lord that I had, it's like He forgave me for everything that I've done, all the sins that, you know, I've um, committed in in my life. Why couldn't I forgive, you know, the person that I committed my life to when we got married?
2: It takes a strong person to be able to forgive uh, a sin like that. So for her to do that for me, it basically makes me wanna give the world back to her.
0: Wow, what a powerful testimony. You know, it was interesting, he said that separation was something he thought he would never have to discuss, but the thing that he said is, when he had a paradigm moment, when he took relationships from a cultural perspective to a Christ perspective, he says, you know what, the grass is not greener On the other side, the grass is greener where you water it. And that's important because we have to water our relationships every single day. And the thing that Jason had to do, he he had to confess. He had to confess of his brokenness. Look at what Jesus says here in verse 25 about this brokenness. He says, just as Christ loved the church, he gave himself up for her to make her Holy. To make her holy. Now, this new relational paradigm is about repentance. It's about brokenness. It's about forgiveness. It's about sacrifice. And it's about holiness. And so, the bigger question is, how do you repair what is broken? How do you repair what is broken? Now, you know, it's interesting because culture says that how you repair what's broken, see, Culture would say romance is the key to relationship. Romance is the key to marriage. But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says that the key to, to marriage and intimacy is the relationship. And that's, that's a vast difference. You see, if romance is the key to relationship, then your relationship will suffer emotionally as the ups And downs and the ebbs and the flows go through life. And those aren't constant. And so uh, the key to a healthy marriage, the foundation of a healthy marriage is not romance. See, the foundation of a healthy marriage is relationship, not romance. Now, this is, I know, totally different, but see, romance flows out of a healthy relationship. Romance does not create a healthy relationship relationship. And so romance that precedes relationship, that is a recipe for disaster. So point number one, we must repair the brokenness. And then point number two, we must remove the barriers. We must remove the, the barriers. Look at verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. See, submission is the opposite of selfishness. Just let that sink in. See, when you submit, you place yourself under the authority of each other. So submission here is at the center of healthy relationships. And it's the starting point of a healthy marriage. And this is true of all relationships. I believe it's so powerful that, see, submission is the key to success. Submission is the key to success. It's the key to every healthy relationship. And and I'm convinced that in our day, in our culture, that, that true submission requires subtraction, not addition. I mean, we live in the rat race, right? I mean, we live for just a constant pace of life that is draining. It drains the life out of us. I I love the the picture that I saw. I I was uh, looking at Facebook one morning and I saw these pictures uh, created by Eric Pickersgill. And Eric created pictures of families in their homes on their smartphones, on their devices. But he took the device out of the hands of those who were using them. I want you to check some of these pictures out. This is a family at the dinner table. And I'm wondering, when these two children grow up, what are they going to remember most about dinner? Check out this picture of a couple, they're in bed and they're probably either just waking up or getting ready to go to bed. And I gotta believe that they don't have a healthy marriage because they go straight to their devices when they get home, when they get up, when they go to bed. What about this little girl who's sitting on the couch with her mom and her mom just gives her a a device just to escape and she's on her device escaping the relationship she has with her family. Let me tell you something. See, are we going to submit to our phones or are we going to submit to our families? Are we going to submit to our spouses or are we going to submit to our smart devices? We have to make a decision. And that decision is subtraction, not addition. And this is where Paul He talks about created order. And this is the the verse that is the cultural blunder of the day, and so uh, I wanna unpack this as Paul intentionally uh, vocalizes what he says here in verse 22, he says this. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. As you do to the Lord. Now, this is the verse that my wife doesn't really get excited about. And uh, so, guys, don't bring up this verse in an argument ever, right? Uh, so, but, but to interpret this a- accurately, Paul is laying out a divine created order. There is a divine created order in the home. There's a divine created order in the church. There's a divine created order in the universe. And there's a divine created order that leads to the healthiest marriage and the healthiest family possible. And Paul is laying out this divine order. He's saying to the wise, Paul here is saying to the wise, wives, your husband is a shadow of Christ. And you say, he's a really dark shadow. And you, you, you may be right. Now, you're probably right. Uh, I, I got no comeback there. But uh, this divine order leads to divine harmony if he is a reflection, a shadow of Jesus. You know, one of my favorite preachers is from the 4th century. So the turn of the 4th century, they called him Golden-mouthed. His name was John Chrysostom and he talks about harmony in the home. Check out this quote. When our families are in harmony, our children are in harmony. Our house is in divine order. Friends, family and neighbors smell the fragrance of harmony. I love that. Smell the fragrance. Of harmony. What, what's the fragrance that your family has? Now, that, that's a rhetorical question. Don't answer that out loud. But we have a fragrance that our home creates. And I, I find it really interesting that Paul here uses a very specific word in verse 22. Check out what he says. He says, wives, submit yourselves. Submit. Place yourself under The authority. And the way he uses this word, if you you look at the original language, Paul uses this same word as he talks to the church related to their submission to Christ. It's a New Testament word that we see here, and it means to exchange the will, to exchange the will. That is, that his passions become my passions. His priorities become my priorities. The way that he thinks becomes the way that I think. His perspective becomes my perspective. This is the best possible formula for the best possible marriage. Now, what does this look like, practically speaking? Now, what it doesn't look like is, man, you're on the couch and you say, hey, I need some popcorn and bring me a drink. Can you go get it? You gotta submit. No, that's uh, that's bullying. That's uh, that's not what Paul is saying here. He's saying that we submit. That is that we as men we can do house chores. We can do the laundry. We. We can uh, mow and we can take out the trash. And this is a part of the message where my wife is probably recording and she's gonna play back this week. But, but we are serving the bride. You know, it was interesting that the University of Washington did a survey on when the women were most attracted to their husbands. When women were most attracted to their husbands. And the results were astonishing. The results was when the men were doing housework. Isn't that interesting? So, man, you're one clean house away from having the night of your life. So, I'm just going to leave it there. Let's go back to the Bible. Go back to the Bible. Uh, this is so important to know because this is the perfect model of marriage. Look at what Paul says in verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the savior. Marriage in this life is a shadow of the ultimate marriage between Christ and his bride. The ultimate marriage between Christ and his bride. I I say this every time that I marry a couple, I talk to the groom and I say, hey, this is a death that you are going to die. To yourself. You are going to die for your bride, just like Jesus died for his bride, the local church. And so, marriage is actually two funerals it's one for the man and one for the woman. They are dying to themselves as they submit to each other. So, I want to ask these questions that I believe are very convicting and challenging for us as husbands and wives. To all the husbands, I want you to ask this Is my wife? more like Christ because she's married to me? Whew. Just let that sink in. It, it, is my wife more like Christ because she's married to me? That's a, it's a powerful question. And for the wives, I, I want you to ask this question. Is my husband more motivated to be like Christ because he's married to me? Is my husband more motivated to be like Christ because he's married to me? Are you encouraging your husband or are you discouraging your husband? Now, I love it when my wife comes to me and she does weekly, if not daily, hey, We need to pray more as a couple. We need to have more family devotion times as a couple. We need to invest more spiritually into the lives of our children as a couple. We need to pray more for the salvation of our children. We need to, as a family unit, be a partner like God has created. And believe you me, we need all the help we can get as men. So women, we give you permission to encourage us to be more like Christ. Look at verse 24. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. This is what Paul says here. And he's not saying that the husband should be a bully boss or a masculine misogynist. He's actually elevating the role of women in this text. In other words, Jesus, he's leaving his perfect home in heaven, he is incarnating into body and flesh, coming to earth to search for his bride, the church. It's an elevation of women. Men, you are a metaphorical picture of Jesus. Paul is saying that women, why would you not wanna submit to someone who has sacrificed the most for you? Now, that's a question that, probably us men, it's probably more convicting than it is for you because we need to live up to what God has called us as husbands to live up to. And so number one, we must repair the brokenness. Number two, we must remove the barriers. And number three, we must refill the body. We must refill the body. Look at verse 27. And to present herself to himself as a radiant church, radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless in this same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. See, we are building each other up. This is a profound word picture here that, that tells us that we are to care for one another and to build each other up relationally. There's a uh, FBI specialist in human behavior. His name is Dr. Jack Schaefer. He came up with what is called the friendship formula. It's absolutely brilliant, the friendship formula. And his friendship formula works for marriage. It works for relationships. And I want you to see what he came up with. He says that friendship equals proximity, Proximity is how close you are with another person. Proximity plus frequency. Frequency is how often you are with that person. So proximity plus frequency plus duration. Duration is how long you're with that person plus intensity. And that's the biggest part, the intensity. Intensity is the depth of your relationship with that person in that moment. You don't have to say anything. You just know that you're present with that person. Now, I'll be honest. For a lot of us, we may be present with our family, but we may not be really present with our family. We could spend all day with our family, but not be in the moment. And so I think what Dr. Schaefer does here is he lays out this prescription of creating this intimacy within your family. And this is a great rubric for our relationship with God. Now how often are we with God? How, what's the intensity level of our time with God and his word? I love the way the writer of Ecclesiastes, he talks about relationships. He says this, he says, though one may be overpowered, Two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. In other words, when we partner with God's divine order and who God is, we we pursue God. It's like a triangle. We're, We're pursuing God together and we end up on the same page relationally. That's how God has created The family, that's how God has created marriage. And so what what is the accurate view of marriage? How has God wired relationships? What does that look like today? See, what God has not done, he's not created us to try and fill each other up with butterflies and euphoria. That's not what God has done We're we're not called to pour out into each other relationally. It's not about chemistry in the relationship. It's about Christ in the relationship. That's a huge difference, a cosmic difference. The, The key is bigger than proximity and duration and intensity. The key is to place ourselves. When we get married... Genesis 2 says the two should become one. We place ourselves in Christ. And this is a picture of how we should be one with each other in Christ. See, marriage is not about completion. Marriage is about creation. God is creating something new, something special, something profound, something that's spiritual. And this is how God has wired marriage because he is the creator of marriage and he is the connector of marriage. That's a totally different perspective of marriage today. We are in a crisis in our country, it's not just a virus pandemic. It's a family pandemic. And so for many of you watching today, God is calling you to do marriage in a Christ-like way, not a cultural way. What does that mean? Do you submit to one another? Are, Are you a good spouse? Are you a godly spouse? See, there are a lot of you who may be watching, you're not a believer in Jesus and you're a good spouse. But you know what? You're tired of trying to fill each other up with euphoria and butterflies and you know that you're created for something bigger. In fact, your spouse may be praying for you right now because they know you're not a believer in Jesus. And you can't be a godly spouse until you place your trust in Christ. Romans 10, 9 says that If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You'll be saved, it's that simple. But God is calling all of us to take next steps in our relationship with Jesus. See, when we accept Christ, that's the starting point. That's the beginning. What is your next step this morning? If you accepted Christ as your savior, God is calling you to join a local church, to be biblically baptized, to take your next step in faith through Christ. You can do so at crosspointchurch.com forward slash decision, crosspointchurch.com forward slash decision. Or if you have your phone available right now, you can text yes, Jesus to 31996. Yes, Jesus to 31996. It's the best decision you can make to have the perfect marriage possible. This is what Paul lays out. And I know he gets a bad rap, but at the end of the day, this is God's way of saying, I want what's best for you, your spouse, and your family. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. God, your word changes us from the inside out. And thank you for creating something new in us. Thank you for completing us in Christ, not with each other. So, God, I pray that as we go into a moment where we're going to sing, I pray that you would give us clear next steps. God, for the husband who just accepted Christ, I pray that during this next psalm that he would share with his wife, his family, his decision. Maybe during this next psalm, maybe couples would start praying about what you're calling them to do and what step they need to take. Maybe during this song that maybe we could stand up in the living room and hold hands as a family and we, we could remember this moment as this moment. We are going to do family the way God has called us to do family. We love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.